Didomi is a Greek word meaning to give or has given. God gave Didomi and out of gratitude we give back to our neighbor and to our community, Didomi. My name is Michael Mutzner with Christian Friends working in organizations that advocate for justice and peace. We put together the Didomi podcast where we share on the issues that we are working on. My co-host for this episode is Wissam Al-Salibi. We are both based in Geneva, where we work in the Geneva Liaison Office of the World Evangelical Alliance. Wissam, welcome. Hello, Michael. It's good to be on a new episode. Wissam, what's keeping you busy these days? Uh, what's been keeping me busy, yesterday we had a side event on the margins of the currently ongoing Human Rights Council session. So there's a council session, and one of the issues addressed at this council session is the impact of sanctions or what we call unilateral coercive measures on the enjoyment of human rights. So yesterday, together with Caritas Internationalis, the World Evangelical Alliance organized uh, an event in uh, Geneva. It's a virtual event uh, where we brought voices uh, mainly of churches, of uh, Christian organizations, to, to share their uh, experience on the impact of sanctions, sanctions such as you know, what the United States and European Union and other countries impose on uh, Syria, uh, Iran, Venezuela, Afghanistan, Cuba, uh, and other countries, and how these sanctions impact the work of the church, first and foremost, the humanitarian efforts of the church in a way that is we view as unacceptable, as disproportionate to the stated goal. So we, we had this event, and it was a really good event yesterday. We were happy to have over 60 people attending virtually. Um, you know, it's a topic that's not public knowledge enough. It's not, it's not sufficiently uh, talked about the impact, like how our church's ministry is disrupted because of sanctions and why. So this is what we discussed yesterday. How are you doing, by the way? And how is how is your work? What was keeping you busy? Well, thank you, Wissam. Uh, uh, well, on my end, several things. But one of the things I'm busy these days is uh, uh, the human rights situation in Central African Republic. We have an upcoming uh, session at the Human Rights Council where uh, we're addressing this uh, with our evangelical alliance in Central African Republic and supporting also their interreligious peacemaking efforts. And, uh, well, at the Swiss level, we have some challenges currently with um, a mandatory COVID certificate in, in religious gatherings. And so, so we, are, we are working on that here. Uh, well, but today we have the pleasure to, to have uh, with us uh, Bassem Melki from Lebanon. Welcome, Bassem. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for uh, uh, bringing me on the show. Bassem, uh, you were a pastor of the Church of God in Beirut for 17 years. And uh, you were the Dean of Students at the Arab Baptist Theological Seminary, ABTS, uh, from 2008 to 2020. And uh, you are now Dean of uh, Faculty of the Seminary. Uh, you hold a Master's of Religion in Music from Warner Pacific College, Oregon, uh, in the US. And uh, you are also a PhD candidate at the International Graduate School of Leadership in the Philippines uh, on the topic of Arab culture and contextual biblical peacemaking. Uh, welcome, Bassam, again, welcome to this uh, Didomi podcast. Thank you very much. And, and you, you guys uh, bring some exciting topics, and I'm honored to be with you. 
Bassem, together with um, two of your evangelical colleagues, you are working with religious leaders from religious communities in Lebanon, uh, Christian Maronites, Christian Orthodox, Sunni Muslims, uh, Shia Muslim, Druze, etc., on breaking barriers between religious communities and how to prepare their congregations for a more inclusive citizenship to help them overcome uh, the polarization in Lebanon. Uh, Bassem, so this is an evangelical initiative, right? You and Martin Akkad and uh, Shadan Hani are all evangelicals and are the main drivers in bringing religi religious community, uh, community leaders uh, together. Why are you undertaking this effort? So uh, after I've been pastoring um, the church for 17 years, and it's great, uh, great experience. I learned a lot. Um, I've also asked myself, um, what am I doing? Um, how is, is, is God interested in also the rest of the communities? How can we uh, be next to other communities and uh, break barriers, bring peace, bring reconciliation? And so God started opening doors, and we took this initiative to, uh, uh, through our friendships with different religious leaders, bring religious leaders together and start thinking collectively, you know, how can we uh, impact this nation in a better way? How can we impact Lebanon, the communities within Lebanon, in a, yeah. for, a healthier, for healthier communities? You know, after the Civil War, 1991, the end of the Civil War, um, it left many uh, uh, traumatized, many communities still against each other, many barriers and walls of enmity um, not broken. Um, and uh, so who is doing something about it? Now, who is better than uh, Christ and the Spirit of God to bring peace and to start changing hearts and to mm. start changing communication? And... Um, Um, the the uh, those religious leaders with us, they also um, uh, felt the same, but nobody was uh, taking initiative. Uh, nobody was kind of leading them. And so when we suggested this, they were all on board and we formed this uh, uh, friendship network, <laughs> we called it. So we mm. built friends with, with together with each other. Um, Uh, but we thought, again, as us three, those evangelicals, if you want to call them, but let me say us three as followers of Christ, um, the, our identity in Christ just compels us to do something. We cannot sit on the sidelines and watch a country, a nation, a people uh, just crumble or just go to war with each other. Uh, where's the prophetic voice of the church? How can we um, uh, tackle injustice? How can we, uh, how can the people of God, the children of God, uh, as you know, Jesus says, the, these are the children of God are, are peacemakers or peacemakers are the children of God. Um, blessed how, are the peacemakers. Right? Yes. Blessed are the mm. peacemakers for they are called the children of God. And, um, Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, wonderful as the children of God, um, I think their, their best 
what they're best doing is is peacemaking. Uh, uh, you know, we we uh, we are the ones to change the world, mend relationships, reconcile, destroy enmity, destroy racism, heal wounds, heal families, communities, and nations. And we should be at the front lines while the enemy, Satan, destroys relationships and build walls of hatred, fear. Uh, we are asking God to use us uh, as his weapon for healing, restoring, forgiving, and the ultimate weapon and the strongest weapon is love. Basim, uh, can you share with us practically what are the activities that are uh, included within your initiative? Practically speaking, how is your love manifest through the activities that you're organizing Building personal relationships first with a uh, Sunni Muslim sheikh, with a Shia Muslim sheikh, with a Catholic priest, Orthodox priest, Druze sheikh, um, and uh, us as evangelicals coming together. Um, first, we, we have the value of love and respect for others. And um, so they see love in us. They see respect. They see uh, that we honor them, you know, and we honor them as humans, as uh, leaders also in the community. And we thought we we don't bypass these people. These people are important to their communities. This is what the communities that they lead, they listen to them. So we thought, how can we be next to them? And f- through our love and uh, uh, respect and how we communicate, how we live, um, how we address things that they maybe they can be impacted and then they impact their communities uh, in return. So we're thinking, how can we bring the kingdom values here into practice? And they could see this, see the values of Christ, see how we wash other people's feet, see how servant leadership is. And, um, and really they... Um, you know, the main thing that was built is trust. And that's the most important thing, thing here. And they saw that we don't have an agenda. We want their, uh, uh, their prosperity. You know, we, we, we don't want to uh, uh, change people's religions. We don't want uh, uh, come in and uh, change people's identities and their um, as um, their cultural identity. However, we want Christ's values and spirit and identity to start taking shape in their lives. And that is step by step. You know, in Jeremiah 29, um, as God is telling the people as they lived in, in, this, uh, in exile, he says, seek the peace uh, of the city that you got, that you know the, the people of God live in, and and uh, uh, to which I have carried you into exile. Pray for the Lord. Uh, pray to the Lord for it, because if it props, uh, if it prospers, you will prosper too. Or if in other translations, if it if it has peace, you will have peace too. So, um, whatever we do to others, indirectly, actually directly impacts us in return. So, anyway, to and, make us. How how, yeah. how does it look concretely? So uh, how should we imagine this uh, this work happening concretely? Are you organizing meetings yes. uh, with, with those persons? And also, how, how do you approach them? Maybe you even have an anecdote of, of uh, how they responded the first time that you approached them. Were they surprised or, or were they waiting for it? 
or, or were, they, were they first uh, refusing your proposition? Mm. Um, actually, we found um, 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 amazing uh, acceptance for this because um, for them, this is what they've wanted. They, they felt it. It's a need for our community. And what we loved in those uh, religious leaders is that they had the mind and the heart that we are not satisfied in the status quo. We need to break out of barriers too. Um, we need to take a step. And so when we came and we encouraged this and we started fostering this uh, uh, value and this uh, 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 project or, or uh, this uh, um, uh, kind of uh, initiative, um, they were on board very quickly. Of course, there were uh, hesitancy in some cases where <clears throat> how will this impact their relationship with other religious leaders? Also, we were as evangelicals, you know, um, how do other pastors and evangelical leaders uh, see this? Uh, what's their theology on how, how do they see the other? Um, uh, are we compromising our faith or we're not? Um, uh, if we make friendship with others without preaching Christ, you know, as, um, as evangelism uh, directly, is that compromising? Mm -hmm. uh, or no, uh, uh, we can um, show the love of God and then parallel also evangelism. evangelism so both work together. So, uh, um, and for them, it's also um, difficult, but it's, for them, it was such a great cause that they're willing to work out the details. So we started meeting monthly together, uh, talking about what are some challenges, what are some issues, how can we face them in a way that is healthy. Uh, it keeps everybody protected, but yet we started, but we, we want to make an impact. And so, and then we started creating, putting some steps. Now, there's uh, two... Um, uh, uh, changes here that are happening. The team itself was building trust, bringing friendship. Uh, we talk about, uh, you know, what, uh, what does love mean to you in the Muslim uh, religion? What does love mean in the Christian religion? We started talking about these and you could mm -hmm. see them like interested, so much interested. And they kept reading like over and over the scripture of the Good Samaritan. And they said, wow, how Christ is asking people to love their neighbor. Uh, <clears throat> And uh, so they started uh, uh, liking uh, some of the scripture that we brought in as we talked about what does it mean uh, to pray? What does it mean to forgive in the different religions? And, and then they would see the Christian perspective or Christ values into this. So that's the, uh, that's the formation that was happening there. But also uh, breaking barriers took shape into uh, asking the Sunni Sheikh and the Catholic priest their congregations, okay, how can we have uh, 12 people from the uh, uh, you know, mosque uh, in, in a certain town go and visit the church families of a Catholic uh, congregation? And they can visit the church, ask questions. Uh, sometimes they ask tough questions and then vice versa, where they go to the mosque and then they ask the sheikh questions. And uh, we started doing that in several towns. And as people visited, that created uh, a lot of uh, uh, movement <laughs> in the city or in the town. It's like, 
wow, there are Christians visiting uh, the sheikh in his house or in his office in the uh, in the mosque, or there are Muslims coming over to the priest's house. What's going on? People started gathering. People started asking questions, and and it was so beautiful to see um, amazing conversations happening, and. <clears throat> uh, uh, and and the sheikh was so generous and the the muslim sheikh and uh, so wise in how addressing certain questions and then the catholic priest also was so wise and generous as they provided also some refreshments you know for the other families the people coming and so it's mm-hmm. like uh, oh wait a minute these people have respect and love for us oh and they have respect and love for us uh, and and this created movement in towns. It started breaking barriers. And can you imagine? Because sometimes we, as a team, this uh, the five, the seven people together, um, uh, we called it the steering team. Um, we would have a meeting in a mosque. Let's say we would go down to Saida in Lebanon, have a meeting in a mosque, uh, and then we would walk out together. And suddenly, on a major uh, road that passes by the mosque, uh, people are looking and they see. You know, a Sunni sheikh, a Shiite sheikh, a Catholic priest, Orthodox priest, a Druze sheikh. You know, we all have our different robes that the people can identify mm-hmm. their religious robes. Um, and there's the uh, and we're standing next to them, and that created so much uh, traffic because people start stopping, taking pictures. We, they've never seen the site. Um, there has always been enmity and polarization between Christians and Muslims and Druze. And so suddenly they see religious leaders laughing together, talking together, standing next to each other, walking out of a mosque, and then another day walking out of a church. And that started yeah. impacting the mindset and the behavior of the community. And that has been going on now for uh, almost two years. And uh it's impacting uh, from Tripoli to Saida to Bika, Beirut, uh, bringing communities from mosques and churches together, talking things out, breaking barriers, realizing that love, forgiveness, and peace are major themes that we need to uh, work on, values that we need to foster instead of hatred, uh, fear of the other, and um, uh, revenge because of past uh, things that are happening hmm. have happened. Well, uh, Bassem, it's it's beautiful to hear that. I I can picture very well now. Uh, I I have images uh, when when I hear you speak, and I can imagine that just the sight of these religious leaders being together uh, or also sends a very strong uh, message to the population who sees them uh, uh, working together, uh, walking together, laughing together. Uh, hmm. Well, it's um it's very encouraging to hear this and. Um, I was wondering, do you think that this kind of effort can be replicated in other contexts than uh, in other countries also uh, outside of Lebanon? I think it can. It needs to, uh, for those who, it, it needs breaking out of, uh, of, of, of a certain shell, you know, or breaking out of a certain centrality where um, um, you are... Um, just staying in your comfort zone. When you start extending love to others, 
uh, you'll discover also that others want to feel loved and they want to give love. And when you start respecting people, people will respect you. You know, many Christians have lost their, or, or churches have lost their credibility just because as they uh, uh, preached uh, Christ, it wasn't in a loving manner. And so uh, um, it's how wonderful it is when churches make an effort because of their identity in Christ for the common good around. Uh, um, and this is what Christ said, you know, uh, uh, let the blind, uh, um, how, how can we help the blind? How can we help the people in prison? The, 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 uh, how can we love the other, our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Uh, how can we uh, uh, feed uh, the hungry? And so as the church takes this step, the community looks and says, it's like, wow, this, this group of people really are not concerned about themselves. They're concerned about the whole community. They don't see color. They don't see religion. They don't see uh, uh, layer, uh, what do you call them? Like, you know, rich and poor. Um, they, they don't see uh, factions. They don't see political parties. They uh, want to care for the common good of the whole community. And whatever that takes, every then church looks, what are the needs in the community? What are the barriers that are there? Uh, if we pray, God will show us uh, what is the injustice that, that's there that maybe we could have a prophetic voice for. Uh, are there marital problems in the city? Are there is there are is there uh, children um, um, uh, um, trafficking? Whatever the injustice is there, how can the church speak and bring truth and shed light on the matter? Thank you, Basim, for sharing this really wonderful uh, stories, but also the the theological foundations that motivate you. The, you know the calling. In addition to engaging with um, Muslim religious leaders and Christians from other communities. You also uh, are in, you're involved in a project working with evangelical pastors in Lebanon, researching on reconciliation within the evangelical churches. Over a year and a half, you brought together 14 pastors from seven different denominations. Again, under the banner of peacemaking, and the theology of reconciliation. Yes, and that's also something that aches my heart. Um, again, before going out uh, into the communities and breaking barriers, uh, we're also praying how can we bring um, um, reconciliation and transformation and peacemaking within the churches, the churches of God, the churches of Christ, uh, how can the Holy Spirit, again, uh, reignite and foster forgiveness, love, and reconciliation within the churches? Um, and um, uh, we want to do that first before we go into the rest of the world and, um, and uh, uh, share Christ's love and the gospel uh, as, as, it, as it impacts the world. So we gave a call to several denominations, and actually eight denominations came together of 14 pastors. Some denomination had one, some uh, two. So we had Armenian Evangelical, we had Alliance, we had Nazarene, we had Church of God, we had Baptist, Pentecostal, Church of Christ, and Presbyterian uh, pastors come together. And we started asking, where does our churches, where do our churches lack uh, peace. Um, 
how do we understand peace? Uh, where do our churches... Uh, um, and it was an academic research uh, along the way. So it was like a collaborative team doing action research together. And I thought, okay, some of them are going to drop out uh, within two, three months, and we're going to be left like five people working, working together. And I was amazed how uh, those 14 pastors, um, one uh, woman <laughs> between them, uh, which was fantastic, uh, wish we had more of that so we can have more voices. They stuck all the way to the end as now we're, in, we're at the end of the second year. Um, they are on fire talking about this topic. We realize and in unanimously, they all said, we cannot allow conflict to keep ripping our churches apart. We cannot allow um, unrest. Uh, we shouldn't uh, rest if there's unrest in the church and there's unresolved conflict and that uh, um, and there's uh, uh, unhealthy relations in the church. And so we started asking, uh, so how is our practice uh, 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 our practice theology of reconciliation? How do we do reconciliation in our churches? So we did some interviews, we did some uh, case studies, and we looked, and then uh, we kind of put that on paper. And then we said, okay, what is a healthy model of reconciliation that the Bible talks about? So we read scripture, and all 14 pastors were together reading scripture and allowing scripture and the Holy Spirit to change us, transform us first, and um, uh, seeking uh, wisdom from God. As uh, in, in James, it says, the, the wisdom that comes from above, uh, that is the best wisdom that any human could have. Um, for a healthy society and healthy church. Um, and so um, uh, we, we kind of started building a model, a biblical model. And then we took a third step saying, how can we bring this model into our own context, into our own culture, a shame and honor culture? Uh, I know there's plenty of reconciliation models out there, but we don't want to import models. We want to see what, how can the biblical uh, model, the word of God, be impactful and transformational and powerful um, in our context, in a shame and honor context, because it's, uh, you know, shame and honor context is totally different than other contexts. And so, uh, um, and so now we're building a model that is, uh, what is the healthiest contextual or biblical contextual model of reconciliation that we could use in our churches. And Again, their journey was amazing. It's just amazing to see, first of all, those 14 pastors, uh, you know, s s uh, even in our evangelical denominations, there's polarization. Uh, we are right, you are wrong. We know better than you. Uh, we have better doctrine than you. And it, this is, not all churches are like this, but, you know, there there are several. But those pastors, as they came together, you could see, you know, Pentecostal with Baptist and and the alliance, and suddenly they're taking each other's numbers, they're praying for each other, they're sharing their difficulties and challenges, especially as we went through the COVID and then the crisis in Lebanon. We started learning from each other. What are you doing in your churches to tackle those issues? How are you worshiping in your churches? How are you uh, 
serving your community in the after the Beirut blast. Um, what are you guys doing? Oh, and we started. So those fourteen pastors just became like a uh, a uh, a piece of heaven on earth. And we thought if that could be contagious also for other um, uh, pastors and other churches, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. So our next step is uh, to take this model and as we are, as we've experienced it together, and then the church start experiencing it. And how do we do mediation and how do we do do biblical arbitration if we need to in the churches? Um, And uh, uh, and then the next step is, bringing all this information and a lot of it is data a lot of it is academic data so it's it's uh, hopefully uh, a a good representation of what goes on here in lebanon and um, we're gonna invite in in two months time we're gonna invite if COVID permits and there's no spike in COVID, uh, all the pastors in Lebanon, which who are 95 pastors, uh, into a meeting and then share our findings, share our new model or the uh, uh, this uh, suggested model of reconciliation, contextual um, biblical reconciliation, and hopefully we can start impacting those uh, pastors and also their churches and their evangelical communities. It's difficult to have churches who, uh, you know, they they know the Bible and they love Christ, but um, conflict is just ripping through churches or ripping apart churches because we don't know how to resolve conflict or we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us in 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 that area and bring peace. It's easy for us to destroy relationships and step by step we're building walls between each other. Some churches have the best preaching and the best worship. Um, and the best bands, maybe, uh, but uh, nobody talks to each other in the church. Passem, yeah, without without disclosing too much, do you have an example of conflict that uh, was addressed by these fourteen pastors? And what does it mean to address it in a contextual manner? There were many case studies, many conflicts. Every pastor brought two conflicts to the table, and we talked about it. Uh, so we had uh, twenty-eight. Uh, uh, stories um, and so uh, many of them were marital uh, problems um, um, several uh, because a, a lot of the churches are also built on this um, in, in, in Lebanon is, is still built on tribal mentality so you'd have a family against a family and so if one a member of this family, another member of the other family are in conflict. The whole family goes into conflict with the other family. And so, um, and they usually in, in Lebanon, people come to the pastor as if the pastor is the judge and needs to, you know, arbitrate and uh, uh, legislate and then make a decision. Um, and then because of that, um, when 13 of our pastors by the way as we did the as we did the statistics 13 out of the 14 pastors had never had training in uh, reconciliation or read books in that manner and so pastors are easily then drawn into the conflict and uh, without them wanting to they they uh, the the parties of the conflict they start taking them or considering the pastors taking sides and so the conflict grows and the pastors now are 
part of the conflict and not resolving conflict. And so, uh, uh, and this is how conflict grows in the church. So, um, we we every pastor thought they're alone in this thing until they all discovered they're all experiencing the same thing, and that's when power kicked in. And uh, we thought, man, we need to address this. This cannot stay the mm. same. You, you you earlier earlier in this uh, in this podcast you mentioned how non Christians were amazed when they heard about the parable of the good Samaritan. But when I hear you speaking about this, I my impression is sometimes as Christians we also have to rediscover the meaning of those parables and of how we address the other, uh, the other from another Christian denomination or maybe the other also from from another community. So. Um, is that part of your work also to to address certain foundations of of theology that need to be reconstructed maybe or reappropriated uh, excellent question as we are taking this journey definitely several issues came up so there's conflict within the church but then there's conflict between churches or between pastors and um, we wanted to focus first on uh, conflict within the church. The pastors then themselves said, uh, we need to address the other issue. And I said, um, let's do this step by step. <laughs> um, but yes, there's a lot of, um, you know, although everybody means good, I'm not saying, you know, every, you know, where we, um, hatred or enmity is only a result of things that have been fostering Um, and it's not because people are bad. Um, uh, like the 14 pastors are, are amazing, and I'm sure the rest of the pastors are. Mm. Sometimes in good intentions, they're trying to protect the church or trying to protect um, the, the members of the church and for, uh, trying to protect them from false teaching or from false doctrine or whatever. Uh, and it sometimes it can go too far to a point where... Uh, Now we are tempted by Satan in, uh, from another side. Now we have hatred towards the others. We're not just protected. We're protecting. We are creating a false image of the other. And so people start not talking to each other and polarization starts to happen and, um, and judgment um, and accusations start also to, to foster uh, unhealthy things. So, yeah, we need to address um, how can love take place where Love is, I mean, it's the primary identity of a Christian. Uh, Jesus says, they know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And, and we need to love each other as he loved us. This is what he said. So the primary identity of, of a Christian is, is love. And so if, uh, if we don't know how to live that, we're missing the point of Christianity or uh, following Christ. And if we do live love... Um, Um, how does it take shape in a way where it's not also the love that uh, is wishy-washy, a, a weak love, or just allows the church and Christians and you know to uh, to compromise uh, and lose their faith and not see the glory of God in the midst of uh, the uh, transformation that could happen out of love, out of justice, out of um, Uh, accountability and out of all of that. So we're trying to balance things out. And this is where uh, sometimes there's unhealthy theology or unhealthy practice theology. And how can we work on healthier theology uh, that can bring fruits 
that can bring um, healthy relationships without um, destroying what God is has intended for the church. Basim, what are your next steps, next plans or activities with the, the 14 pastors that you're working with? Uh, our next uh, meeting, uh, we've kind of finished the, the formal part of uh, a meeting together. And I've then asked them, would you like to continue? And they all, uh, again, unanimously said, we want to continue meeting monthly, talk about different topics. Uh, but they still want to talk about reconciliation. And so our next meeting is on the 16th of October. And uh, we've uh, actually decided to invite their spouses uh, with them. So hopefully it will be double the number uh, on that Saturday. We'll spend the whole day because we we, we really want to uh, uh, talk about what goes on in the church more. And it, it, we felt it was important to um, invite the, the wives or the, the spouses, you know, to be there because they're actually a big part of peacemaking within the church or also a big part of the conflict. But <laughs> it just happens that... Uh, we cannot assume only uh, uh, one spouse is uh, doing the work in the church. It's always as a family. And so we wanted to get their input of all of them and the transformation for all of them. Uh, it'll be nice to see transformation happen to the husband and to the wife, not only the husband where, um, um, and then the wife is is oblivious to what's going on. So that will be more powerful in the church when we have uh, the whole family uh, on the on on the same track together, but it, the conversation is also I think will be so much enriched uh, when we have all voices uh, in there. Thank you, Basim. With all this work that you're doing, how can we pray for you? How can the listeners pray for you? We pray for first for wisdom, um, the wisdom from above and that we continue to hear the voice of God. If there's anything we need to do is, is a primary thing is we don't, we don't want to be carried away with our desires, with our intentions, or with our thoughts and our agendas and what we think is fit for the community or for the church. We pray that we continuously hear the word of God how it leads us to foster, again, peace and reconciliation within churches and then within communities so people can see the good deeds and the good work of, of, uh, of Christ's um, uh, disciples, of God's children. And then they can come to Christ saying that we want to be uh, also children of that God of yours that uh, really um, uh, uh, gives this kind of love and peace. And so the three things to pray for, uh, hearing the word of God, um, um, and, and uh, uh, we, we continuously obey the word of God in all of this, wisdom in all of this, and then pray for transformation and healing within communities. People need it, and people are coming to Christ because of this. And uh, we're thankful for God for um, allowing that to happen in our communities. Amen. We pray, Basim, for you, for the peacemaking ministries. Indeed, blessed are the peacemakers, and we pray uh, that the uh, Lord blesses you, Basim, as, as you build the bridges and heal, work on healing communities and witness to his lordship in your lives. Thank you so much, Basim, for your, for your sharing with us really 
incredibly insightful uh, work that you're doing that I hope will inform us everywhere in the world, inform us about how we engage with our neighbor. Uh, thank you so much, Basim. Yeah, amen. Amen. Thank yeah. you, guys. Thank you. And thank you, Wissam, also for co-hosting this episode today with me. And thank you to you, uh, also, our dear listeners, for joining us on this Didomi podcast episode today. Our hope is for the Didomi podcast conversations to be edifying for Christians who want to engage in the public sphere. We welcome your feedback via email at contact at didomi.co. Uh, we invite you to subscribe if you haven't done so yet. If you're interested in receiving our newsletters, uh, you can also subscribe to it uh, via our website, didomi.co. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram on didomi underscore co. Thanks again. Until next time, have a great week.